from hidden local hotspots to outrageous wildlife rescues and trend-setting hotels. WestCoastTraveler.com shares the latest travel news from your local community and beyond. Travel the spectacular west coast of the U.S. and Canada without leaving your armchair and start taking notes for your next adventure. Make your next vacation or staycation the best it can be. Visit westcoasttraveler.com. Welcome to PQ Beat, a podcast of the Parksville Qualicum Beach News. Hi, everyone. Welcome to PQ Beat. I'm Philip Wolf, editor of the PQB News and Vancouver Island Daily. The issue of cold weather shelters, or lack thereof, in the PQB area has been discussed for years now. Here to talk more about that, we welcome the president of OHARTS, the Oceanside Homelessness Ecumenical Advocacy Response Team Society. Thanks for joining us, Sherry Thompson. Thank you, Philip. Thanks for inviting me. How important is it to have a permanent cold weather shelter in Parksville, Qualicum Beach? Let's dive into who really are the homeless people here in Parksville and in Qualicum Beach. If we think about it, over half of those who are right now in our Ocean Place facility are seniors. They range in age from 19 to over 80, and there's more than one over 80. When we look at who's on the streets these days, it's different from in the past. About 25% of the people are women. All are from the area. So often we hear speculations about who are the homeless, but the homeless are us people who've had a few bad breaks or who've made a few tough choices or have a tough background. You mentioned a large percentage of those in your shelter are seniors. Are there special care protocols for them? And is it especially troubling to see the older people in need of assistance? Well, the people at Ocean Place, there are several different groups that are in our shelter. One are those who are sort of early discharged from hospital or who were at exceptional risk for COVID-19, such as seniors. And what's troubling is the lack of facilities to help seniors who have additional needs. I personally got worried because we couldn't find a good next step for some seniors in our care. And I was told that there are over 200 people ahead of our people on the waiting list and about two vacancies a year. So that would make it like 100 years before we get the care that the person needs. We're very concerned about it. And if you look at the insecurity of our facility right now, I don't know if you heard the mayor say before Christmas that he would like to close it. Where are these people going to go? There are long waiting lists everywhere. We have a waiting list of over 75 people, and that doesn't count the ones in our extreme weather shelter. So we're very worried about their futures. There's a commitment from the government that no one who's been sheltered during COVID-19 will be discharged to the street. But with no vacancies anywhere else, if ours is closed, where will people go? How does the intake process work for Oceanside Place? OHARTS used to operate walk-up shelter, where we took sort of everybody who came in. Now we have a community intake team. We have people from Canadian Mental Health Association, from Poverty Reduction, from SOS, our local Society of Organized Services, also an outreach worker from Strengthening Communities. So we have a community group. We have 25 beds, and we look at the 75 people who are waiting to come into those. Every two weeks, we look at the vulnerability of those on the waiting list and who comes in to um, take a place. So circling back around, how important is it then to have a permanent cold weather shelter in the area? It's really essential. 
here we have 75 people on, you know, waiting for a place, 25 people in a place, and 22 people who came to our extreme weather shelter. All of these people are out in the cold unless something is done on a longer-term basis. Our funding is not guaranteed after the 31st of March. So you can imagine the, the nervousness of people who finally have a safe, warm place, and it may be gone. What are the primary concerns for the people who are in need? People in need have concerns about things that the rest of us take for granted. Warmth, shelter, an opportunity to be around people who care for you, an opportunity to charge up their phones so that they can tell those they love that they're still alive. We get a lot of calls from family members saying, have you seen so-and-so? We haven't been able to track them down. Particularly when you hear a polar vortex coming in, you realize the vulnerability of those who are sleeping under a tarp. We had people whose tarp collapsed in the snow, and they came in in the middle of the night to get warm and try and find a way toward more permanent shelter. Are you concerned about extreme weather situations moving forward? Yes. Usually there's another bad, snowy, blowy weather comes in before we get through with winter. In addition, cold, long rain can be just as devastating that you can end up very chilled. And there are very few places where a person can go for a shower. Even a bathroom is difficult to find during COVID. And when you think about a laundromat that'll let you launder wet sleeping bags, a pretty short list. You mentioned the extreme weather shelter. It opened earlier this month and closed after only two days. What were some of the issues involved there? And does it further illustrate the need for a more permanent solution? Actually, we had it for about nine days. We opened it right as the polar vortex came in between Christmas and New Year's. We and some of the churches just couldn't bear it that there wasn't one. So we patched things together. BC Housing helped us. And we opened first in the community church and then in the Knox church. It's very challenging. I want to say thank you to the churches that opened their doors to help those most vulnerable. I want to say thank you to the many church volunteers who helped cook food, helped clean afterwards, everything. I mean, there were really lovely, lovely people involved all the way through. Most of the people that came could follow the rules. That that was like a walk-up shelter. Whoever was on the street could come in. And so it was a wide range of people. There are a few who have difficulty following rules. Um, One or two of those caused a ruckus. And we realized that in the church environment, you have three vulnerable populations happening at the same time. We have seniors at risk for COVID-19 doing the volunteer work. You have young families and children coming for childcare, for lunch programs, that sort of thing. And then when you add in a group of people with high needs, as long as everybody sticks to the schedule, everything can work. But people don't always stick to the schedule or follow the rules. So a few troubled individuals broke some serious rules and we had to decide the church was not the right spot to run it. So again, does this illustrate the need for a more permanent solution? Absolutely. We need to have a facility that's ready for people with special needs. We need to have a daytime warming center so they can meet with the social services, poverty reduction, mental health and substance use. The people who can help them move forward in their recovery. It was important to make a pop-up shelter in the worst of the extreme weather. 
but it's even more important and more humane to help people move forward in their recovery. It's not housing only. It's housing plus help to move forward. From the latest community news to informative, entertaining reads for travelers and the cannabis curious, just visit your local Black Press Media community newspaper website to sign up today. You mentioned housing. How much of a problem is the lack of affordable housing in PQB and elsewhere on the island? Not just affordable housing, but low-income housing. Affordable housing right now, I think it's running around $1,800 a month for an apartment. Your typical person on welfare or pension or, you know, Canada Pension Plan or on um, disability pension, I think they get about $375 a month for their share of the rent. So you look, 375 versus 1800 this does not work. When you think about it that way, um, we have a huge shortage of low-income housing. And there's a long history of why that happens. I talked to those in the know to see whether that 200-person waiting list was about right. And they said, oh, it's so complex. You know, there's this kind and that kind and this kind and that kind. And there isn't like a central registry for seniors housing or low-income housing where you can find them all. But everybody agrees there is a huge shortage, not just here, but up and down the island. But it's particularly problematic here. Now, the areas that have solved this problem, all of the different actors work together, like the municipalities, the RDN, even the First Nations communities, all work together and make a community plan. Now, the RDN here started looking at an overall housing needs survey and housing plan. But then City of Parksville killed it off just recently. There are lots of things that can be done to make things better. At this time, to make things worse does not seem like a good plan. How did you become involved with the group and what do you enjoy most about the work? I was at a community meeting where young person after young person got up and talked about how they need help and how they couldn't get it. And then family members stood up and said how they tried to get help for their young people. And I realized that there were young people entering into a downward spiral on drugs in our community with no way out. I had planned the future of the health system for the province of Alberta before I retired. And I thought, with my background in health, I shouldn't be relaxing and growing my garden. I should, you know, pitch in and try and help my community. So I got involved with the... um, Pray and stay at St. Anne's Church, volunteering. Got more and more involved in the need those who are at risk in our community. And then I ended up chair of the board. No intention to get there one, not one bit. What do you think needs to happen to find a permanent solution? I think there are opportunities for each level of government to help out here. I'd like to spend some time talking about all the things that are being done right for our community. But in terms of how to solve the problems... It used to be that federal and provincial governments each spent 1% of their budget on low-income housing. Not affordable housing, but low-income housing. There were decades of underinvestment starting in the 1980s and going forward. There's been a little bit better now, but nowhere near the level it was when we didn't have so much homelessness. Stats Canada estimates that the number of people homeless have doubled in the last decade. So here we are by not doing the basics, having more and more people fall off the cliff. So that's something that can be done. 
I mentioned earlier about, like, it needs to have help at the local, at the regional, provincial, and national level. Locally, we need the bylaw changed. Right now, we believe that we can only shelter homeless people in a church or in a functioning hotel. And we've talked a bit about some of the challenges in a church setting. Um, and the mayor is starting to say, oh, I don't think it can happen in a hotel. So where can people who are homeless go? So we need to deal with that. Regionally, we need to get that plan going together so that we can have a concerted approach to get the services we need here. And then, as I said, provincially and nationally, take action. CanadianEvergreen.com is your trusted news source for all things green, offering up-to-date news and stories from Canada's booming cannabis industry. Content you can trust from Black Press Media. You see a lot of buck passing among the various levels of government when it comes to seeking out this solution? Let's say there are opportunities for improvement at every level, but there are bright lights. Our MP, Gord Johns, is taking forward legislation that would help people with addictions. Our MLA, Adam Walker, has been working with us every step of the way to try and make life better for people who live around here. The town of Qualicum Beach took forward the Strengthening Communities Grant and got all the other jurisdictions regionally to provide support. And under that, we've got a nurse on site at Ocean Place and for outreach. We've got an outreach worker who can go out into the community. Some good work has been done by many different sections of our local politicians. Others, as I said, have a big opportunity <laughs> to improve. If anyone is interested in helping OHARTS, how do they go about that? First of all, we're looking for board members. So if anyone wants to do that, that would be a really good idea. Second of all, if they know people who are at risk and need to get assessed for housing, our intake phone number is 250-228-6904. And we have a round table coming up. Knox Church, that was our site that got closed down with the extreme weather shelter, wants to help us in another way. So they are running a round table along with us and along with the community, all of the churches and the community agencies. So the roundtable is planned for mid-March. Anyone who would like to take action can contact either them or myself. And our email is OceansideHeart2030 at gmail.com. Sherry, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, That's Philip. this edition of PQ Beat, produced by the Parksville Qualicum Beach News. Thank you for joining us. If you have suggestions for topics or guests, we would like to hear from you. You'll find our contact information on our website, pqbnews.com Why spend hours searching dealerships, comparing makes and models? Find the best of BC's inventory in one place, todaysdrive.com You'll have access to inventory across BC, where you can easily find a vehicle that fits your needs and gets you where you need to go in comfort. Get in the driver's seat. Don't miss out on the many options we have available for you. Powered by Black Press Media, todaysdrive.com connects you with exclusive new and used car deals.